after a certain period of time, if the unpaid and present entitlement is not paid, it is treated to be financial accommodation. You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 150 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Klaas for sponsoring this episode. When does an unpaid present entitlement sitting in a company as a receivable against a trust become a Division 7A issue? This is the question I asked Andrew Henshaw of Velocity Legal in Sydney. So today's topic is about Division 7A and how unpaid present entitlements of companies are treated. So just as a bit of back history, Division 7A was introduced in 1997 and the intention of Division 7A was to prevent companies, private companies making loans to shareholders or similar benefits to shareholders that were not that are not dividends. So what Division 7A does is treats those arrangements, they may be payments, they may be loans, as deemed dividends. So it's as if the company made a dividend to the shareholder. So that's 1997. In There's been tweaks along the way to Division 7A, but probably the main change to, to Division 7A is in 2009. So in 2009, uh, I believe it was the 16th of December 2009, the ATO came out with a draft ruling Now, what people had been doing for quite a while is you may have a discretionary trust running a business. Now, the trust needs to distribute its income each year in order to avoid the trust being taxed at the top marginal rate. So typically what would happen is the trust would run the business and it would distribute some money to, let's say, mum and dad. But if it's uh, a particularly successful business, then there may be, they may have already distributed sort of sufficient money to mum and dad and they want to distribute the rest somewhere else. So what they would do is they'd say, okay, well, I don't want to pay the top rate of tax. I want to distribute that money to a to an investment company and that way I can cap the effective tax rate at 30%. We like to call that investment company a bucket company. And if the analogy is a, is a tap that's dripping, you some of the water goes to mum and dad and maybe to the children, and then the rest of the water from the tap goes to this bucket company. It catches, catches the rest of the money and ensures that the trust isn't taxed at the top marginal rate and the water that's left in the bucket is taxed at, at 30%. So that was a, all well and good for a number of years. In late 2009, what the ATO said is these unpaid present entitlements, we believe that they are actually financial accommodation. So what the position is at law with an unpaid present entitlement, the trust says, a company, bucket company, I'm going to make you presently entitled to some income. I might not pay that straight away, but you company presently entitled to that income. You've got the right to call on that income at any point in time, hence unpaid present entitlement. If it's not paid, it's called an unpaid present entitlement. So what the ATO said was that, well, if the private company is not actually calling on that money, it's got the right to call on that money, but it's not actually calling on the money. We think that in a lot of circumstances, that's financial accommodation because what the company is doing is saying, oh, I'm not going to call on the money from the trust. And what that's essentially doing is, is providing financial accommodation to, to the trust. 
Now, that's caught by Division 7A because generally the trust, even if it's not a shareholder of the company, would generally be an associate of a shareholder of the company. So due to a change interpretation in 2009, the ATO now has administered the law on the basis that an unpaid present entitlement would generally be financial accommodation and because it's financial accommodation, it's therefore treated for statutory purposes as a loan and it's not put on compliant Division 7A terms. It's therefore a deemed dividend to the shareholder. Is it only a Division 7A issue if the bucket company has the same shareholders as the directors of the corporate trustee or other beneficiaries of the trust? That's a good question. It is discussed in the ATO's tax ruling. What they tend to say is that in most of these arrangements, the bucket company and the trust are ultimately controlled by the same people. And where they're ultimately controlled by the same per people, there's one person generally pulling the strings and, and effectively that one person is, is allowing the money to sit in the trust or somewhere outside of the company who, who is entitled to it. Where you've got the circumstance of perhaps there's different people involved, different controllers of those entities, you could be in the situation where it's not financial accommodation, but I'd say that's typically fairly rare that, that you get a... Because you, you've got to have that trust actually distribute money to the company and generally if I control a trust, I'm probably going to distribute that to a company that I control as well. It doesn't strictly need to be the same shareholders. It's, it's more about the control of, of the entities that's relevant. Is it only a Division 7A problem if we have a UPE but then the money is actually paid to individuals that are associates that are part of this whole family group? Is it only a problem if the trust actually pays the money out or as long as the money stays in the trust... Is that okay? Well, it's generally a problem. The existence of the UPE itself is, is the problem. So let's say, okay, the trust makes a present entitlement to a company and trust doesn't pay the money, but let's say, let's say the money moves to the individual that's behind the bucket company. If that UPE, that unpaid present entitlement, is still existing... It, it sort of doesn't matter that much that the money's actually passed to, you might think sort of in, sort of on a policy sort of perspective that if the money's sort of moved to the shareholder one way or another, it, it shouldn't matter. But it's actually that that loan or sorry, that unpaid present entitlement that's deemed to be a loan that's the issue. So if the money's not paid, then it's, yeah, then it's an issue. Yeah. So even if the money is not paid, yep. if the shareholder and the other individuals in the family group actually don't get their hands on the money and mm. the money is still in the trust, yeah. even then it's still a problem. Yeah, what really needs to happen is a couple of things can happen. The, the simplest is the trust pays money to the bucket company's bank account, problem solved, the, the unpaid present entitlement's been paid. Sometimes what we can see happen is that the... Um, the trust will buy some sort of asset and it can buy it on behalf of the company and what it's called is a sub-trust arrangement. But essentially what that is is the, is the trust says, okay, well, I'll use the money and I'm going to use the money solely to benefit the private company, the bucket company. That can be okay as well. The only other thing that can be done is to put in place a compliant loan agreement. So that could be either a seven-year loan agreement or a 25-year loan agreement. So 109N. 109N, yeah, yeah, and then principal and interest payments made each year. 
talking about the subtext mm. arrangement now, for small business CGT concession purposes, mm. that subtrust is actually counted towards the company, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, for the small business CGT concession purposes, those those assets are brought in. They'll, they'll be brought into the group one way or another. The, the ATO do have a ruling about this, which is a couple of years old now, but it sort of categorises things that are... There's, I think there's three different ways of categorising it, but one way or another, the value of that will be brought in for small business CGT concession purposes. Now we have a UPE in the trust, and so now the ATOs, where do they see the deemed dividend? They see a deemed dividend from the bucket company hmm. to the shareholder of the bucket company. What the ATO say is that after a certain period of time, if the unpaid and present entitlement is not paid, it is treated to be financial accommodation. So there is an important distinction just from a timing perspective at the moment that let's say I make a present entitlement as at 30 June 2018. That is then, if that's not paid by 30 June 2019, one year later, it's then treated as being financial accommodation and then you have to redress it before the lodgement date for the 18-19 income year. If there was just a loan, the, the consequences trigger earlier. So by using their unpaid present entitlement, it could still get a bit of a timing benefit. Now, Treasury is actually proposed to sort of eliminate that and, and actually put some legislation in that would pretty much automatically deem unpaid present entitlements to be to be loans because at the moment what's what the ATO are relying on is an interpretation that they've taken that after a sufficient period of time the unpaid present entitlement is deemed to be financial accommodation that's not through any piece of legislation that that happens that's through the ATO's interpretation of if a period of time passes and you don't call on the money you're therefore financially accommodating that entity. Hmm. So if it ever came to a court case, the ATO is walking on thin ice because it's just their interpretation and they don't have legislation to back up their position. Yeah, yeah, correct. I think we'll probably see legislation in the next year or two. The reforming Div Division 7A has been proposed for the last couple of years. But and that is in there. It is in the there, yeah, yeah. In the, yes, and they've been proposed again to I think 1 July 2020 for further consultation. So we may see some rules at some point, but at the moment still dealing with an interpretation. And I should add that the ATO have granted a concession for unpaid present entitlements that arose before 16 December 2009. They will usually be called pre-2009 UPEs. And, and what the ATO says is that, well, they recognise that there was a change of interpretation and they recognise that, okay, well, if you had unpaid present entitlements that arose before 16 December 2009, the ATO will not treat those as financial accommodation, even though based on those principles they, they could. It's the, same, it's the same deal. It's even Those ones are even older. The ATO say that we won't treat those as being financial accommodation, therefore we won't treat them as loans, therefore there's no deemed dividend. So we often see counts for where there are unpaid present entitlements that there'll be a segregation between unpaid present entitlements that arose before 2009 and once once since then it's i mean that's that is 10 years ago now but 
it still is an issue on the books of some companies and, and trusts. that we end up with double taxation. Let's say the trust distributes $1 million to the company the mm. and let's make it easy. Let's assume the company pays 30% tax rather than 27 and a half. So the trust distributes $1 million to the company. The company pays $300,000 tax. Then the individual taxpayer because it would be a deep dividend to the individual shareholder of the bucket company, mm. would then pay tax again on the $1 million UPE. So let's say at 47% margin, you would pay yeah. another 470000 on it. So in total on this $1 million distribution, you would have $770,000 tax, including Medicare. So that would be a massive double taxation. There is some redress to that situation. So what, what the Division 7A rules say is that so firstly, if a deemed dividend arises under Division 7A, it's generally n- not able to be franked. So that means you don't get the benefit of franking credits. So it's an unfranked dividend. So that means the franking credits of $300,000 that are sitting in the company can't be used in yeah. the tax return. Yep, yep. But if a deemed dividend has arisen, when, when that dividend is actually paid, there's no double taxation on from that perspective. So there is pain. That's why you want to avoid tripping up on Division 7A because if any dividend is deemed under Division 7A, it's, it's an unfranked dividend. You don't get the benefit of the franking credits. The only redress or sort of relief that can apply is where you've already triggered Division 7A and now you're declaring a dividend. When you declare the dividend, it's not, it's not taxed again because it's already been taxed and, and already taxed as an unfranked dividend. But yeah, you're right with your point that if corporate tax is paid and then a deemed dividend arises, yeah, you don't get the benefit of the, the tax that's been paid by, by, the, corp, by the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may have franking credits that maybe it can use later, but yeah, it is a, it is a real issue. If you have already alluded to it, and it kind of passed me. One way to avoid all this would be to officially pay the UPE to the company. Then the company pays out this distribution as a dividend. Mm. And then the individual shareholder loans the money back to the trust. Then you're yeah. fine. Yes. And I think it's all fine because it then means that this one million distribution has been taxed at individual tax rates. And if it then comes back to the trust as a loan, then that's not an issue. Yeah, correct. That's another way of dealing with with any unpaid present entitlements is just to declare the dividends. But obviously, when you de- when the private company does declare the dividend, if the individuals that are ultimately taxed are, are being taxed at higher than thirty percent, there will be some top up tax. Once that pain is dealt with, yes, the money can be freely used by the, the trust or lent around. And yeah, so the the mischief is that the the top up tax. Yeah. Yeah. And does the ATO actually pursue this? Because the UPE then needs to have a Section 109N loan agreement to avoid... Yeah, yeah. Loan. Yeah, the ATO does does pursue these and, and it can often arise, especially for, for high net wealth individuals and private groups, they're constantly subject to risk reviews and audits and it, it just it can be one of the issues that's looked at. It might not be the ATO's gunning hard for, for to make sure that everyone's got a written loan agreement in place but 
once an audit or risk review starts, they will ask for that information. And if you can't provide it, then you know, the, the law works quite mechanically that if you don't have a written loan agreement by the lodgement date, then it's treated as a deemed dividend. And the only relief that's available is to seek the commissioner's discretion to, um, to not deem it as a dividend. Mm. Yeah. We, we did have one, um, one client fairly recently where they, they had loans from private company over a very long period of time, about 15 years, and uh, none of them had been put on 109N compliant terms, just sitting there as, as loans over the last 15 years. Now, what that actually does is each year those loans are made, that triggers a deemed dividend in each particular year. Now, again and again, again, and again each, or they're different amounts, but yeah, it, it triggers a, a low, uh, sorry, a deemed dividend each year. Now, what that does from a tax perspective is the individual has a deemed dividend, which they should put on their accessible income. Now, in this case, because the individual wasn't aware of Division 7A, nor were their advisors somehow, they didn't report the, they did lodge tax returns, they didn't report the deemed dividends. So we were faced with the issue of, well, you know, deemed dividends have arisen, but the taxpayer has lodged returns and, and has received assessments on the basis that there is no deemed dividend. Now, you might be aware that if the ATO review someone's assessments, they can generally only go back four years unless they allege that there has been fraud or evasion. In this circumstance, it was difficult. It would be difficult for the ATO to say there was fraud or evasion because mere Merely not knowing or mere ignorance is not enough to say that it's fraud or evasion. And we actually approached the ATO and the early engagement team and to cut a long story short, they said that so long, if, the, if the period under review, the normal four-year period is fixed up, we're not going to look back on the previous, on the previous period. And, and what that actually does is, as I was talking about earlier, once a deemed dividend is, is triggered, when a dividend is actually declared, it's not again, subject to tax. Now, under the way that the current legislation works, even if it hasn't been reported in the tax return as a deemed dividend, that that treatment would still follow. So in other words, if a deemed dividend arose 10 years ago and the commission is out of time, if you declare a dividend now, it could actually be exempt from tax. It's a bit of a, a bit of a windfall in that case. In the Board of Taxation's consultation power, they've proposed to change the period of review to 14 years, so one four, and rather than four years, the period of review for Division 7A would be 14 years. And what I think is why that's proposed is exactly this scenario where you could be not aware of Division 7A or there's some tricky UPE that hasn't been considered properly. Taxpayer could actually get a windfall, and at the moment under the law, they probably would get that windfall subject to there being fraud or evasion. What's proposed in the consultation paper is that the period of review for Division 7A would be extended to 14 years. All of a sudden, the commissioner could go back that longer period. So it's interesting to see what happens there as well. Ago, mm. the trust distributed one million dollars to the company but didn't pay it, so we have a UPE. And now you're saying every one of those 10 years, we basically have a deemed dividend of one million dollars to the shareholders. No, sorry, just just on the first, okay. just on the first time that it arose, if the trust was distributing every year and doing an unpaid present entitlement, like a new unpaid present entitlement each year, 
that each year that would that would arise. But if it, let's just say there was one single UPA ten years ago, it only triggers it once. Yeah, sorry. Just if there was one distribution ten years ago, then that's fine. Now the ATO can't go back at the moment because it was ten years ago, and they can only go back four years. Yeah, correct. Subject so long as the 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 relevant taxpayers have lodged their returns and received assessments, and so long as that the ATO is not alleging that there is fraud or evasion. So in other words, if it was a mere ignorance, then yes, at the moment, based on the current law, it, I'd say it's unlikely that the commissioner could actually go back and assess that. I see. So even though the UPE is still there, yeah, because it was it came into existence ten years ago, yeah, it's no longer correct. Say the trust has a million dollars, makes a million dollars profit, and makes a makes a company presently entitled to that one million dollars. So the company will have income of a million dollars and needs to pay corporate tax on on that income. So let's say that's three hundred thousand dollars. The unpaid present entitlement itself. So the money hasn't no, no money has been paid other than the tax money. So let's say that tax money has actually been paid. So because your money's actually got to go to the ATO to pay that three hundred thousand dollars. So the balance of the UPE in that case would be one million dollars minus three hundred thousand. So there'd be seven hundred thousand dollars left sitting there as an unpaid present entitlement. That if that's not paid or put on one hundred nine N compliant terms, then that will be that seven hundred thousand would be a deemed dividend to the shareholder of the private company. So the shareholder will have $700,000 of, of income, we need to pay tax on that, it's not franked, so it could be quite a large tax bill. When the private company actually goes to declare a dividend to the shareholder, that dividend that is actually declared, so contrast to the deemed dividend, when the actual dividend is declared, there's not a further round of tax on that. And that's because the money's already been assessed to that shareholder through Division 7A. Okay. So it just means they lose the franking credits? means they lose the franking credits, yeah. Okay. And so now, if the distribution was 10 years ago, and now 10 years later we pay out the 700000 is that the windfall? That's the windfall that I was referring to. So what the, what the Division 7A rules say is that if, you, if a private company actually pays a dividend... And that money has already been treated under Division 7A as a deemed dividend, then when you actually pay the dividend, that's not assessable. I see. If yeah. you didn't actually. Yeah, the, the, the rules don't talk about whether it's declared or whether how many dollars and cents have gone to the ATO. They just say if these rules have been triggered, this is the result. So it's not by reference to actual payment of tax. It's, it's more by reference. Yeah. An enormous windfall. Yeah, backdoor. Yeah, yeah, yeah correct. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's all subject to sort of being able to at least evidence that there was no fraud or evasion. So it's not like can, you can go, okay, well, you know, I'm going to scheme and plan this, this arrangement. But it's, it's more a, a windfall of ignorance, really. <laughs> a windfall nonetheless, yeah. Yeah, and that's I think why Treasury has proposed this this change, just this period of review change. But fourteen years is a long way back, and if you're an advisor, you, sort of, you don't have that certainty either. Welcome back. So whenever a trust makes a distribution to a company and doesn't pay, you are in Division Seven A territory. 
In the next episode, episode 151, Andrew Henshaw will answer three of your questions about Division 7A. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.